deep in the subterranean levels of the convent of Santa Monica, at the end of a long, dark, damp corridor far from the prying eyes of the world, sits what was once the dining hall or refectory of the convent. In the soft, diffused light, you take in the depth and dimensions of the room, and a faint glimmer of gold catches your eyes. You look up and see what appears to be a sea of stars spilt on the vaulted roof, and slowly faces emerge. In neat, orderly rows, a communion of saints, painstakingly painted in eternal frescoes of agony and ecstasy, framed by their golden gilt halos. They peer down on what is now the lecture hall of the Institute Mater Dei, housed in the convent of Santa Monica. Silent spectators to many generations of fasting and feasting, and now to speeches and learning. Welcome to the Altar of Time, a history of India's Christian art. Rather than these magnificent frescoes, today's episode focuses on the more humdrum statues of saints that you might see in churches and houses. Made primarily of either terracotta or wood, each saint is represented with unique symbols that are tied to their life stories. Just like the carvings you might see on a temple today, the statue of a saint is an attempt to remind the faithful of others who were touched by the divine. I happened to read a slogan on an auto rickshaw, and everyone knows how much I love auto rickshaw wisdom. Every saint has a past, every sinner has a future. Whether we're talking about bodhisattvas in Buddhism, alvars in Vaishnavism, Nayanars in Shaivism, or peers in Islam, all South Asian religions have their own version of the ideal devotee. Their lives tell worshippers what their religious culture considers to be virtues to be inculcated, the miraculous power and rewards that their deities offer, and the transformative power of faith. In Christian traditions especially, saints are ever-present. They are models for the devout, they are venerated as icons and intercessors with God, they lend their names to individuals, houses, streets and institutions. The church, through the study of the hagiography or the lives of the saints, assigns days on the calendar in their honour and makes them patrons of specific causes, professions, social groups, etc. In densely Catholic places like Goa, the calendar is marked and built around the celebration of the feast days of saints. In today's episode of The Altar of Time, we will look at two images of saints, both believed to be blood relatives of Jesus Christ, from the collection of the Museum of Christian Art. We will see how the rituals and traditions surrounding their feast days shape Goan Catholic culture. The first is Saint John the Baptist, or San João. 
This 19th century polychrome wood statue in the collection of the museum is unusual for many reasons. To begin with, the hair and beard of the saint are neat and trimmed, a far cry from the wild, unkept life the saint is said to have led. And yet the traditional iconography of the book representing the Holy Scripture and St. John's preaching and the lamb symbolizing Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, have been retained. On 24th June every year, St. John's feast is marked in a peculiar manner in Goa. Young men leap into and swim in local wells, ponds and tanks in honour of the biblical miracle of him leaping for joy in his mother's womb on hearing the greetings of the Virgin Mary. It occurs in the peak of the monsoon and involves prayer for good rains, the breaking of coconuts and the wearing of crowns or copels of flowers, leaves and fruits. This might be a nod to St. John's life in the wilderness, during which he wandered around wearing natural coverings. The unique tradition we mentioned earlier of young men jumping into wells, tanks and rivers might have developed from the legend of St. John's work as a preacher, as he is believed to have immersed his followers in the waters of the River Jordan. These followers included Jesus Christ and the immersion is believed to have marked a new beginning in their lives something that still continues to this day when Christians are baptized. This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. There is even more color and life in the Feast of St. John in Goa. Folk songs are played on traditional pre-Portuguese instruments such as the gumat, a clay god on which the skin of a monitor lizard is stretched as a membrane. Processions of colourful floats go by on boats. These festivities date back at least 175 years when Sanzuao revellers from Shapora and Zor villages of Anjuna, Bade in Asagao and Shiolim, all familiar names on the tourist circuit of North Goa, came in boats to the chapel of Sanzuao in Pereira Vado, Shiolim every year to pay homage to the saint. Clearly, there is a lot more to Goa than beaches and raves, and perhaps the next time you zoom through the picturesque lanes of Shapora, Anjuna or Shiolim, your eyes will be peeled for a true taste of Goa. Many ocean worlds across, you see echoes of this Goan festival in another Portuguese colony, Brazil. Festas Juaninas is celebrated across the month of June in honour of the feasts of Saint Anthony, Saint John the Baptist and Saint Peter. It involves the wearing of large straw hats and copious amounts of singing and dancing. Believed to have its origin in the Portuguese midsummer celebrations, like the Feast of San Zoao, it is an agrarian festival celebrating fertility, and newly married couples and newborn babies are honoured in a special manner during these festivities. It's quite interesting to think about how many Indian things are linked to other continents due to the complex legacy of colonialism melded with the enduring ties of religion and faith. The robe of the statue of St. John in the museum's collection is highly stylized. It's an elaborate garment with wide sleeves. The only indication that it is supposed to be an animal skin is the fact that there appears to be a lion's head hanging down over the ruffles formed in the centre. 
This important liturgical feast gradually turned from an agrarian festival to a raucous pool party, much like the monitor lizard skins stretched across the gumats were replaced with leather or other synthetic material, and St. John's wild beard and animal skins turned into a well-trimmed face with elegant clothing. Yes, time changes all things, saints, feasts, and festivals. The second image we look at today is that of St. Anne. Though not mentioned in the Bible itself, Catholic and some Islamic traditions believe St. Anne or Hannah to be the mother of Mary and the grandmother of Christ. This narrative first finds mention as early as the year 150 CE in a version of the Gospel attributed to St. James. The 18th century statue of St. Anne in the Museum of Christian Art is a visual treat. In vivid colours and tender contours, it represents an indulgent mother supervising her young daughter's progress at reading. Seated on a chair with curved arms and an imposing gilded baroque back, Saint Anne leans towards a standing Virgin Mary, represented as a young girl reading from an imposing book. The youthfulness of the Virgin Mary is seen through her hair, which is fastened like a childlike bun with roses, a flower closely linked to the Virgin's iconography. While the scarves on the shoulders of both women can be read with the common dressing codes of both Christian and Islamic modesty, it is equally possible to read them in conversation with the local dressing mores of Goa and its neighbouring cultures. Saint Anne's veil is fastened on her chest in the way in which Goan women wore voluminous white drapes to church while the Virgin Mary's ankle-length skirt with a broad border is not very different from the Padavai Davani or Langa Davani. This is a popular costume for young South Indian girls between puberty and marriage and consists of a brightly coloured ankle-length skirt gathered at the waist and usually sewn out of saris, accompanied by a short voni, davani or shawl draped on the upper body. In this carved garment, we can also see echoes of the Pan Baju of Goa and the Kirgi Baju of Manglo, garments once frequently worn by Catholic women and now relegated to the realm of costume, performance and pageantry. In the Goan calendar, apart from being the feasts of Saint Joachim and Saint Anne, the maternal grandparents of Jesus, the 26th of July is celebrated as Taushiache Fest or the Feast of Cucumbers in Telauli. Built in the 17th century in what is now called the Indian Baroque style, the Church of Saint Anne or Santana in Talauli is believed to be miraculous. According to Christian tradition, Saint Joachim and Saint Anne were childless for 40 long years before the miraculous conception of Mary and since then they are invoked by childless couples. In Telauli, this invocation takes poetic and colourful forms. The Portuguese word for the offering made to Saint Anne rhyme with the petition or the wish being made by the devotee. Thus, the little rhyming poem acts as a prayer. Custom dictates childless couples offer cucumbers and utter a petition. Senhora Tomai Pepino, Tai Me Minino which means, Our Lady, take this cucumber and give me a son. Or offer manilia or bangles for a filia or daughter. 
Bachelors seeking a wife in marriage offer spoons or kulier in order to get a mulier or woman, while spinsters who seek a husband offer lentils like urad in order to be blessed with a marid or husband. When cucumbers which are grown in abundance and are part of the first harvest of this season are offered, they are offered in pairs, one to be laid at the feet of the imagio and the other to be carried back home in a prasad-like fashion. In the milling crowd, in the church and the fair that springs up in its wake, one finds every religious group that calls Goa home represented. Just as aspects of Hinduism seep into the performative honouring of St. Anne in the form of votive offerings or cucumbers and even the chudo or bangles of a newly wedded bride. Like the unique blend of Portuguese and Indian aesthetics in the Indian Baroque of the church, Santana's Taushichi Fest is unique to the village of Talauli and is unheard of in the other churches dedicated to St. Anne in Goa or elsewhere in India or in Portugal or any of its former African or Asian territories. Indian Christianity continues to evolve and mutate with each region and community adopting their favourite saints into the cultural framework they know best. From the sari-draped Virgin Mary of Velangini, Shivaji Nagar and other Tamil neighbourhoods often taken in procession with flowers and crystal salt strewn in its wake, to the processions of St. Sebastian in Kerala, complete with all-male shirtless ensembles of chanda drums, ilatalam cymbals and the long circular combo horns and brightly coloured processional umbrellas, not very different from the neighbouring temple processions. Indian Christianity is constantly striking up fascinating and colourful conversations between the Indian and the Christian. Who knows what else you will hear whispered as we gather around the altar of time.